you all have lost your boners for Buzz Lightyear and it shows, okay? But Disney's flop isn't the only media trend, I guess, or lack thereof that we're gonna be talking about today. And we have a special guest entering the chat. And all I have to say is Wolf of Wall Street, who, okay? Help me in welcoming Mark Lopresti. So Mark is a Wall Street vet. All you need to know is he is like a shark, okay? He has a business over here. He has a business over there. You've probably seen him on CNBC, on Bloomberg, on Fox. He is all over the place. He's won hedge fund awards, okay? And now like his specialty is really investments, asset management, all the good things, okay? So like get your life right and tight. And lucky for you all, he is really specializing right now in media trends, like I said. So, Mark, welcome to Cancel Me, baby. Are you the real Wolf of Wall Street? Uh, yeah, you know, well, it's, first of all, it's good to be here, Taylor, and I'm very excited. I've been a Cancel Me Baby fan for a while now, so this fulfills the dream. Um, but okay, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it together. I'm gonna keep it together. <laughs> Uh, that, you know, no, I, Wolf of Wall Street. No, um, I knew Jordan Belfort back in the day, um, and and I am I am no Jordan Belfort, and vice versa. Um, so no, uh, shark maybe a uh, 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 kind shark. Um, look, what I do these days is I take my twenty years on Wall Street um, and and use those powers for good, uh, not not for evil. Um, so uh, yeah, so happy to be on the show, and and can't wait to discuss what's going on in uh, trends in media, content creation, consumption, yes. distribution, all that good stuff. It's a good thing because this is obviously, these are themes that I think about privately, but sure. I'm no expert. We're not gonna get into the weeds. I have a lot of people who listen to my show who are in the business, also content creators, sure. influencers, but it's a good thing you're here with me because trust me, going down this path alone is a shit show that nobody wants to hear. So I'm glad that you're with me. And I have to ask, what is the, is Jordan as like wild as the Leo depiction? I gotta ask what the people want to know. Uh, a lot, so you know, a lot, a lot of the uh, the movie um, was based on uh, actual real life stuff uh, from from Jordan's life. I did not, I did not party with him back then. Um, I did, however, when Leo was shooting Wolf of Wall Street, um, shot it all not far from where I'm sitting here in, in downtown Manhattan, uh, and and part of it near where I, I used to have a boat here at North Cove. So we actually got to spend some time. Uh, with Leo, he came and guest DJed a full moon party uh, that we did uh, at my sailing club back then. So that that was a lot of fun um, being tangentially involved. That famous scene of him on the yacht throwing money and lobsters at the, uh, yeah. at the FBI agents that was that was shot right there. Uh, but no, um, I, I was not present for Jordan's oh. uh, bachelor party or wedding. It's fine. I brushed shoulders with Leo's a few times, Leo with Leo a few times. And, you know, I don't think that I, maybe I just wasn't young enough, but you know what? That's neither here nor there. Oh is gosh. it Mark? Oh no. my gosh. Enough said on that. Enough said on that. Okay. So I have to paint the picture in case people are listening and not watching. Mark has like a bar setup. Okay. He has a patriotic American flag. He's also my tri-state Italian brother from another mother. He's got the Italian flag going on. So also set the scene because obviously my background is in Hollywood. Before we dive into this, set the scene mark of some of your, who you're hobnobbing with, some of your famous like celeb friends that we would know. Oh, 
Wow. Um, well, you know, on, on the, on the deal side, um, you know, we do a fair amount with, uh, some pretty well-known, uh, investment faces, um, some sharks, let's put it that way. One, one shark in particular, um, I don't okay. want to call out any specific names under fear that, uh, there'll be retribution in some way, shape or form. <laughs> um, we're also working uh, on this sort of trends in media side of things uh, with some pretty well-known um, A-listers in, in Hollywood, who I will also not mention. I'll actually be back in L.A. next week meeting with several of them, um, all on helping understand what's going on, what is changing so dramatically yes. in the media and entertainment space, and how can they, even as incumbent A-listers with millions and millions of fans, how can they lean in? And you know what's really interesting, um, Taylor, about all of this, one of the big motivations for uh, each of them, but for one in particular, is the fear that they will be canceled. This person has a, a multi, multi-million dollar, multi-year contract with a major cable network. It's some that can't go much further than that. Um, but he is uh, sort of every day concerned about something wow. he might say on Twitter or on Instagram or even on his show, which part of which is, is live, will will cause his you know 25 year career uh, to come to a swift and abrupt end. So it's this uh, emancipation, if you will, of yes. content creators and talent on these independent distribution platforms that we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. That's part of the appeal because they don't have to worry about being canceled. Absolutely. I love that word emancipation. That's such a good way of putting it. And all I have to say to this person is, you know, come on, cancel me, baby. Let's have at it, Mark. You know, us three will go in together, you know, and make a ton of money for the people who, you know, aren't you know, woke and we'll make it happen. So let's do this. Okay. So speaking of woke, so we're going to talk today about Disney. We're going to talk about Netflix. We're going to talk about Elon. We're going to talk about Beyonce. Pertaining oh. to all this, Mark. Yes. Are you ready? So my first, girlfriend. Yeah. What's that? I said my ex-girlfriend. No, no. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I got a letter from Beyonce's lawyers. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, we're not saying it did or didn't happen, people. So, okay. This whole, like I teased earlier, buzz or lack thereof. I think this is a good indication, right, of these big studios, of these big platforms. Now, a little bit from where I'm coming from. You know this, Mark, because we met on a round table we did about all this. So as a content creator, I'm not in the weeds of this platform, that platform. However, like I said, that is my goal at the end of the day, right? Create kick-ass content that I want to create, no middlemen deciding, reaching a lot of people and making a lot of money. So that is what it comes down to. And a lot of people like myself often look to these establishment sort of traditional media platforms as a means or as a bar of obtaining that success. Let's talk about Disney. So Lightyear sure. is their Toy Story prequel. And it's getting a lot of buzz right now, or like, again, not actually, for kind of flopping in the box office. They did a theatrical release. So this movie, okay, it took 200 million to make, made 50 million. That's it wow. in the opening weekend. So it was a big loss for them and not what they were expecting. Now, your initial thoughts on that. Well, you know, I think one of the so Disney's got a lot of problems, right? Yeah, and, we and, know this. And it's, yes. and it's a stock that I cover on a lot. You mentioned some of the financial news networks that I'm on um, mm -hmm. routinely, almost daily basis. And I've covered Disney and continue to cover Disney quite a bit in terms of earnings projections and where the strengths and weaknesses are that the strengths currently are, uh, believe it or not, from park attendance. 
um, and resurging park attendance as uh, people come out from COVID and COVID restrictions continue to, to drop, notwithstanding, you know, the uh, concerning words out of China last week. But let's put that aside. But where Disney's problems lie are in their content creation and distribution. And you might say, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Disney owns all of these characters, all of these brands, all of these themes, these songs that are so near and dear to our hearts. Like, I mean, my God, you know, uh, uh, pick any myriad of them, obviously, Buzz Lightyear and the Toy Story uh, uh, series is, is one of many, many, many. But the problem is a couple of things. One, um, I think that's starting to get stale. Uh, two, Disney has become woke to uh, the degree that it is actually really seriously and materially hurting their bottom line. They're systematically canceling pieces of their content and their history for fear that it may offend, you know, one person. That, that's that's the, the world we live in now, Taylor. Mm-hmm. If there's even oh, one person it. that could potentially be offended because this content does not line up precisely with what their current and I use that term purposefully, what their current belief system is or may be, it's got to go. So you have a chipping away of relevance. You have a chipping away of what was relevant in keeping incumbent fans watching Disney also being chipped away, right? Mm -hmm. You have an inability to produce new content that people really want to see at scale. But that, and you have Disney now, you know, participating in the streaming wars, um, which, which are which are coming very much uh, uh, to a head, if not a penultimate head. And that's a lot of what's driving some of the trends that we're going to get into. So D- Disney's got some Disney's got some real some real problems. OK, so first of all, on the financial side, I forgot to mention, I know how these people roll. I've been on countless I was on the Mulan movie set. I've been on the Black Widow movie set, which I'm going to talk about. Okay, the around Little the world. Mermaid, was, was the Little Mermaid based on you? Yes, but, you know, I'm still, my royalties, they're jipping me out of my royalties like ScarJo. We're going to talk about that in a minute, okay, with the whole streaming situation. But I know how these people roll. I covered the Toy Story 3 premiere in Los Angeles, and they literally had a Ferris wheel, like, placed in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard. I remember being like, who do these people think they are, right? So it's kind of interesting to watch all this play out because they just hemorrhage money, and now they're not getting the return. But... You noted something interesting on the cultural side. So when it comes to this and everybody talking about it, I want your take because it's split on two sides of the reason why this isn't succeeding the way that they thought, right? This is such a iconic franchise, Toy Story. So you have, I did my research, right? And you have the left being like, uh, and I don't know where you lie politically and it doesn't really, it's irrelevant, but you have the left being like, oh, you know, they don't have iconic characters back. It's a kind of a confusing premise, right? And then you have the right losing their minds because I guess there's a gay kiss in it, which honestly, who cares? The, sidebar, the gay kiss thing for me is funny because it's like how convenient they make it a little side note to, for China to chop out, right? So they can profit off China's audience, like how convenient there, but they're crying over, you know, Ron DeSantis, it's fine. So, you know, you're, <laughs> take on you know that kind of push and pull is it a little bit of both you know well you know look i think any any time you lean in too hard um you know to uh to 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 the woke screaming it it backfires right i mean they are really sort of systematically taking apart 
what what has historically been you know traditional children's programming i mean and, and thank god you know my daughter who's who's 14 now which brings about a whole other set of concerns but you know when she was still young and i could sit in front of the tv with her i would not be concerned about her being sort of force fed themes yeah. that were not consistent with you know my or or many people's beliefs and i don't think that there should be one belief system versus another that is necessarily uh, propagated. But when you when you lean into this guilt and when you lean into this concept of making sure that we cannot offend a single person, you dilute the content, you dilute the brand, you dilute the entertainment value, right? And there really is or are uh, very few, if any, um, children's programming networks, children's programming content creation that's really leaning in. If, if you look and, and you may say, well, he's sort of at the other end of it, but if you look at what, you know, Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire have done, you know, with coming out with their own children's network, I mean, Ben and his partners are uh, not shy about saying this is a, a direct, if Disney will not deliver, you know, wholesome, consistent content, and it doesn't mean it's religious and it doesn't mean that it's, you know, conservative, it's far right, but it, it, it doesn't have to go so far in the other direction. Right. And I think that that polarization is is bad in both sides. Right. It's bad in both sides. I wouldn't want, uh, yeah. you know, programming that that pushes, you know, excessively, uh, you know, Christian conservative values to sure. people that don't want to see that. Either, sure. Right. But sure. like, where's that middle ground gone? That middle ground yeah. is gone. Because we have mm -hmm. we have accepted Hollywood certainly has accepted the leaning in the direction of let's not offend one. If it yeah. offends one, then we cannot we cannot uh, have the program. I mean, I will say, I even looking into it, I do feel like the right will go a little bit hard, being like, oh, because there's a gay kiss, it's failing. I'm like, all right, guys, like I don't think it's all because of that. Like, let's chill. But I will say, you're right. They do shape shift and tiptoe. I'll never forget being on the Mulan set. Now, when I was there, it wasn't in China, it was in New Zealand, but I was obsessed with Mulan when I was younger. You know, Eddie Murphy was the dragon, the whole thing. Like she was my hero. And I remember being on the set and they talked about how they weren't having the Eddie Murphy character. They weren't having this, they were chopping out all the iconic things to make it so true to actual Chinese culture and play to the Chinese audience. And again, it's just, I remember just being like, bro, like give us the Mulan that we want, not to insult them in their culture, but, that to your point is, you know, the links will go and to what end, because y'all are flopping over here. So, right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, cutting things up or editing things for, for polite Chinese consumption is a completely other, you know, it's, it's related to what we're talking about. Yeah. But like, there's so much to deal with just in like the American conversation right now. Oh, like, I know. You know, getting into what they do to appease the Chinese audience that that could be its own its own podcast. You're like, sure. let me grab my bottle right here behind yeah, me. Exactly. So speaking, exactly. so speaking of that, Mark. Okay, so we talk about how they broke right. There's Disney Plus, CNN Plus. We're gonna get into all this, but mm -hmm. if you remember last year, Scarlett Johansson sued Disney because they decided basically they gypped her out of her contract, and they decided that they were gonna do a semi-release of Black Widow, a Marvel movie, both sure. in theaters and on streaming 
Um, and funny enough, they jipped me out of money from that project too, which I told in my episode at the time. So you all can go and revisit that. So ScarJo, we have that in common. So what does that say, Mark? That whole thing about how everybody's scrambling. It's a hot mess where they're distributing the whole streaming thing. You know what it says about the big picture. Well, look, I think what it says about the big picture, and it's similar to what happened and continues to happen in the music industry when it comes to, you know, content creation, distribution, monetization, is that there is this desire in incumbent mainstream Hollywood to sort of put our fingers in our ears and pretend that this isn't happening, right? And what is the this that's happening? It's a series of things, but it can kind of be summed up this way, and then I'll let you pick it apart. You know, we started with network television on, you know, the the boob tube, which was a reference to it being dumb, not a reference to body parts being viewed on there. But, (laughs) you know, and you had and I remember because I'm old enough to, you know, you had 11 grainy channels and the and the (laughs) rabbit ears and and that was it, you know, and and you you liked it because you had no choice. Right. Um, Tina, there is no alternative. That's a that's a big Wall Street term we like to use. Um, I'll say, though, you don't look at Mark, so don't sell yourself short there. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to my makeup crew. <laughs> Fucking crickets here. Anyway, um, then, then, then cable, right. And then cable was like, Oh my God, you know, I put this plug into the back of my, of my TV. And now suddenly I've got 150, 200, 400 channels I can watch. And that was something everybody loved until it became 600, 700, 800 channels, 20 of which maybe I watched the rest of which I don't know what I'm paying for. Cable became bundled with internet access Prices went sky high. People said, well, this doesn't make any sense. Streaming came along, right? And then we all cut the cord. Remember all that? Cut the cord. And the theory behind cutting the cable cord, which which I did, I do not have a cable connection here in my apartment or, frankly, in any of the, the places that I, I lay my head from time to time. Um, it is it is all cord cut. It is all uh, internet. Um so then in comes the streamers, you know, Netflix and Hulu primarily, but of course there are others. And the theory behind that was this would enable me to a la carte content that I want to see along with hopefully some unique content. And of course, along with that became the rise of the streaming studios. If I want to see Stranger Things, I got to have Netflix. Mm-hmm. But if I want to watch The Sopranos, I got to do HBO+. Plus. But if I want to watch CNBC and CNN and some of the live channels, because I've cut the cord, I got to get Hulu and Hulu Plus, because that's where I get my live from that stuff from. But if I want to watch European soccer, like my daughter does, I got to get ESPN Plus, because that's not on any of those other networks. And if I've got a kid that's of uh, age and I and I am still interested in watching their programming, I have to have Disney Plus. So now mm-hmm. all of a sudden I've got four or five subscriptions for individual pieces of content, I'm back up to a monthly price that rivals or exceeds when I had a cord, when I had cable. Right. And people are saying, what the fuck? This makes absolutely no sense. And here's the other thing that's happening, Taylor, okay? People's attention spans, particularly when you go downstream in terms of age of viewership, gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. If you asked my 14-year-old daughter to watch No Time to Die, which I watched last night, I know, long time in the waiting, especially for a James Bond fan like me, two hours and 34 minutes in duration, she would laugh at me, okay? What is the amount, uh, what is the duration time 
of the most viewed content, if you include across all media, TV, movies, stream media, you know, Instagram stories, TikTok, whatever it is, it's like six minutes, right? Oh my God. That's that's really what it is. So it hurts so, myself. So what's happening? Well, well, but here's the good thing though. You people still binge. So I can take Taylor, I can take, you know, three cancel me episodes, chop it into 20. Six minute bite sizes and, pe- and people will binge True. them, which is another thing that's a trend in viewership. The whole concept of if I like it, I want to binge it and consume as much of it as humanly possible. OK, here, here's the other thing. Yeah. And, and look at Joe Rogan. This guy, this guy goes on for four hours. I'm like, bro, I got a life to lead at some point. My God. But then on the other end of it, what you're saying, I haven't told this to my audience. I you know this, I think, Mark, but I've been in the process of working with Snapchat on a pilot and talk mm-hmm. about ADD literally at this. This has been weeks in the making, going back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, I, at this point, may as well have entered Squid Game Purgatory because <laughs> it's like every five seconds, a pop-up here, a pop-up there. I'm like, oh my, uh, what? It's like be ADD on steroids. It's yeah, insane. And, and that doesn't work either. And, and, what, and what you bring up, um, almost on cue, uh, is the <laughs> other component, which is advertising and what is a consumer's willingness to watch ads where is that equitable quid pro quo and what it's come down to is what we've come now to realize is that i'll watch 60 or 90 seconds of an ad at the beginning of a seven minute you know cancel me baby episode because i want to see that content i want to see it so so the new breed of streamers no subscription ad-based tailored content, short and long form, short form that's derived from long form, direct revenue share with the content creators, distributed across all screens, right? And designed leaning in in large part to, you know, on smartphones and and tablets, because that's, again, like depending on what uh, one of the ratings agencies you follow, it's like 60 percent and rising, right? Of this mm-hmm. of this content consumption is being done on on smart. We only need to get on a New York City subway. I mean, I haven't in a very long time. But and all you see is people, you know, with their phones in front of them. Shit! Yeah. All the airlines got rid of their in-flight televisions. Right? When was the last time you got on a plane that still had a TV built into the back of the seat? Why? Because the airlines realized we don't need to maintain and upgrade and all this. Get get them get rid of those things. Give people free Wi-Fi and let them watch on their smart devices. But here's my question for you. So even here's another indicator. I mean, don't even like, we are long past the funeral of CNN Plus, right? That shit flopped in like a day. But I don't know if you heard Three weeks. It was alive. It was alive for three weeks, barely. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Like a fish out of water, just flopping, gasping for air. And so- What's next, though, is Netflix. Netflix, you guys, laid off 150 people in May. Mark, I don't know if you know this. They're doing more layoffs at the end of this week, okay? They lost almost a quarter of a million subscribers, um, what, in the last, I don't know, month or so, something like that, okay? But Mm -hmm. here's my question before we pivot. What happens when we talk about ADD and everyone's doing, and no one wants to pay for this and this and this, right? And everyone's doing their own platform. Like, when does it become too much? When does it become, there's a million platforms here, there's a million this, like, where do we get to a breaking point, right? Where does it reach ahead? 
Well, you know, that's a good question, Taylor. And it's one um, that as a content creator and somebody that's investing in and, and sort of helping uh, both, uh, as we said, some well-known folks as well as some up-and-comers to lean in and, and take advantage of these trends. It's something I'm concerned about. And yes. I think like, like any like any trend, like any sort of large macro change in how we as consumers interact with one of our primary forms of entertainment, right? Um, there will be a period probably of saturation. And then just like we're seeing in cryptocurrencies right now, uh, you know, the strong surviving, the weak ones getting, you know, flushed out along the way. But I think it's going to be different this time. And I think it's going to okay. be different this time for the following reason. The, the paradigm done shifted and it shifted in a good way. Because these new platforms, right, that are going to be eating the lunches of the Netflixes and the Hulus of the world, and I cover Netflix as well, and I've been bearish Netflix since probably, she's middle of the third quarter of last year, right, because we saw this trend, we saw the subscriber growth line slowing, coming down, flatlining, and then the next thing is attrition, right? So last quarter, Netflix, for the first time, to the point that you made earlier, announced that they had lost more subscribers than they mm -hmm. added for the first time ever in, in history. And a lot of that comes from, of course, they announced they were going to increase their rates. Of course, they announced no more password sharing. By the way, something I never understood, okay? $5 billion hole in Netflix annual budget directly related to password sharing and, you know, to ex-girlfriends and, and, and cousins and God knows who, you know, using passwords. I mean, I don't know how many people had my password before I got rid of Netflix. Um, so how they let that happen is completely beyond me. But um, where what's different to your question and what's shifting about the paradigm is the following. We now have more data and ways to use that data to connect with the fans that want to consume your content than ever yes. before. Yes. And the content creators and platforms that learn to effectively use that data are going to do well, even in a sea of competition. I mean, think about it. There's billions and billions of eyeballs on this planet. You don't need all of them. And frankly, what you need, and this is another conversation that's becoming uh, very routine in these types of forums and others and in boardrooms is, it's no longer, oh, I've got, you know, I'm Kim Kardashian. I've got 30 million yeah. followers. If I have 30,000 followers that really want to watch my content and are willing to pay whatever it is or whatever my right. model is or whatever my advertising share model is and the demographic suits a particular advertiser, I can make money. I can make in some instances, I can make a lot of money. So technology, particularly on the data side, is there. The content distribution is there and growing, right? The independent content distribution yes. monetization is there and growing. You have technologies like blockchain. And I know you had my friend from Zion on recently, and we did a podcast on Roundtable a few yes. weeks ago talking about this. But we're very excited about and involved in uh, using uh, blockchain, uh, not Bitcoin or cryptocurrency itself, but using blockchain technology, the smart contract technology, where the platform, the advertiser, the content creator are all parties to that smart contract. So Taylor don't have to worry about not getting paid for, for her from her uh, uh, Disney uh, appearances. 
I'm She's just saying, I'm just saying people give the coin words due. No, but this is where I say, you know, power to the small creators, which you know, right. Mark, I'm excited about because again, people like me do look to the establishment. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to try to get myself in front of you know, I have no shame. Like I am a gal on a mission. So I will literally go to the head of talent at HBO, at a, net, at a Netflix. And even on that round table, I joked to you about feeling cock block, not only logistically, right? Because they want to see the millions and millions of followers with the Kim Kardashians. And again, in my, in my opinion, that's short-sighted, but it's also the content side, right? We don't want to rock the boat. So it feels um, very limiting, which is why yeah. this whole era is this new era is very exciting of giving us the power and having more options. Now, speaking to that, I want to get your take on the shift in late night because mm. late night, that shit is dwindling. Like, honestly, like the candle and hocus pocus at midnight, speaking of Disney, like it is just dissipating into the abyss, the numbers are slipping. And what's interesting to your point about the six minute chunks is that these, these shows are making their money off of, you know, five, six, not from the actual broadcast, right? No, but from five, too. six minute clips of Jimmy Fallon doing whatever song and dance, which by the yeah. way, we've had it, like, where's that funeral on <laughs> YouTube, right? So that's awesome. But these people spend so much money. That's the other thing you talk yeah. about Netflix. I, it's like Disney. I attended the stranger things, whatever it was, season two, season three premiere, Netflix rented out the entire Santa Monica, you know, pier and had a whole thing. Like these people will spend money again. It's the hemorrhaging. Where are they making it? So all that goes to say again, late night, where do you see that going and what is happening over there? Well, um, I, I think, and this is, this is one man's opinion, um, but I think it's largely a demographic thing when it comes to late night. It, it's, it's largely um, an aging population, right? I mean, we used to, and I'm, I'm certain you don't remember this because I sort of barely do, but I mean, we used to go to sleep, you know, with, with Johnny Carson's voice in the background, right? I mean, that, that was such a, yes. such a huge piece of like Americana, yeah. Uh, of, of the of the, you know, American sort of lifestyle. Um, and that's just not. That's just not the case anymore, like the like the baby no. boomers aren't staying up that late anymore and they're and they're by and large not identifying with Fallon or Kimmel or, or any of those guys. Ugh. Right. Well, that's so another whole so other ball of wax like yeah. Well, um, so, so, uh, you know, they're not watching anymore. Late mm -hmm. night's done a bad job of getting the, you know, the younger viewers um, to get into that trend. And so what, what they are doing, I think intelligently is to your point, they're leaning into, well, we're not necessarily going to make money on the broadcast, but we're going to yeah. make money on the advertising and the sound bites. And you know what the funny thing is I find myself consuming that content that that very same way i don't watch it but i'll watch and see the four or six minute monologues especially if it was funny or topical or if it was one of the late night guys that i that i do sort of you know like or or agree with or sort of lean towards um in terms of beliefs but uh yeah i think late night late night it will never be what it what it once was uh, let's put it that way. And, and, uh, including That's Saturday sad. night live, right. I mean, the departure mm -hmm. of the cast members, um, I was never a huge Pete Davidson fan, although I did go to high school on Staten Island. Uh, maybe that's why I'm not a big Pete <laughs> Davidson. Um, he's doing but, you dirty. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, but but there's uh, there's some big, big changes afoot. And, and I don't think five years from now, the late night landscape's not going to look anywhere near the way it, the way it was. The days of, of Conan and Letterman and all of that are, yeah. are forlorn past. That's sad. It's sad, too, because, again, I feel like these networks, again, these legacy media companies won't. We talked about this on the roundtable, right? They won't reinvent themselves. Don't even get me started like we're running out of time. But the hosts themselves are, you know, that is a whole other ball of wax that, you know, my audience knows how I feel about that. But yeah, careful, I may be friends with some of them. Taylor, oh, so I mean, um, okay. But I take none of it back, Mark. No regrets. Um, I you. Oh, here's you know the deal. what else I, is? I got, I got to say this. I'm sorry, because th- this is, you know, you are such a great, proponent of, of talking about what's going on yeah but comedy ain't the same it's I not i mean if, if you go on youtube and you watch clips you don't have to go back to carson and rickles in the 70s to be like holy shit they let this go on television just go back to letterman or even conan just a few yeah. years ago you can't Comedy is about making fun of ourselves about what who we yes. are as people and our frailties and our differences and and bringing people together by having a lighthearted approach to our differences. We can't. I mean, doesn't matter what it is, you know, black, white, Asian, Catholic, Jewish doesn't make a difference. Skinny, fat, you know, <laughs> curvy. It does not matter. You cannot point out a personal, a, a physical attribute without risk of being canceled. So as a comedy writer or as a late night host, you're constantly fucking censoring yourself. I know, but they're suffering. See, like I saw a quote recently. It was by a comedian. I forget who. And he said, you know, comedy is a, is taking aim and offending somebody, you know, like yes. it just is. And so to that, I say, you know, in a world of, you know, John Stewart's be a Ricky Gervais, like that is just how I feel about that. And those guys are the ones, you know, coming out on top, I think. So, I mean, I just watched Ricky Gervais's new Netflix special. I don't know if you have, but he literally, I mean, he really gives no shits. Like it is like pedophilia, race, trans, like disabled his, children. Like he just really, so. His, 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 uh, uh, I remember what year it was, but a special that he did where he used a, a book and, and I'm, and I'm Catholic. So I'm going to put it out there. And he used a, a book that he got in like third grade religion class about Noah's Ark. I still have probably seen that a thousand times and I will have some explaining to do if I ever make it up there. But it is one of the funniest goddamn things. Yeah. And I was born and raised Roman Catholic and I consider myself Catholic and God fearing. And I can watch that and not be like. Cancel him. We can't we can't have that on there because it, it's offensive to Catholics. No, a hundred. I laugh at joke. Like he even opens with a joke at like aimed at women, like a Jew joke. I'll take, you know what? I'll have it all day long. Like I, I'm here for it. That's what it's all about. So here's the deal, Mark. I won't show Beyonce's people if you don't show your late night hopes. We'll call it a deal and we'll be good. So speaking of Beyonce, a way to wrap all of this up, right, is even kind of what we're talking about with comedy. I've said this for a long time on my show. Something that I aim to be actually a, a part of is coming out of all of this 
you know, whether it be logistically and culture wise, like the stifling nature of it all is a renaissance, right? In culture and in media. Now, oddly enough, Beyonce is coming out with a new album. It's called Renaissance. And she just dropped, I think like two days ago, her first um, single off of it. And it's all about like throwing caution to the wind and not giving a shit and all this, right? So with that said, on a on a good optimistic pep in our step note, where do you see all of this going when it comes to people and creators, you know, whether it be the Taylors or the Beyonce's, right? Going into this renaissance, having control, um, having power, reaching their audience, whether it be, you know, the Warner Brothers, the, the record labels, whatever it is, right? Where do you see all this going uh, in a good way? Well, you know, for, first of all, big shout out to my first and true love, Beyonce. Uh, <laughs> you still haven't called me back, but uh, yeah. I'm holding out hope. Don't tell my girlfriend. Uh, but um, <laughs> no, look, here, Taylor, the good news is the following, right? All of these changes, if you remember that sort of the evolution of, uh, of, of content consumption and distribution from, you know, TV, cable, streaming, streaming 2.0 and 3.0 that we're going into now. All of that puts more power in the hands of the content creators, which means they will have more freedom and independence. If I don't have to worry about the Warner Brothers Standard and Ethics Committee yes. telling me I can't put this on my album, right, from a music perspective, yes. or I can't put this in my movie because they're not distributing, okay? Or they're not the exclusive distributor at the top of the food chain that gets to make those decisions. If I'm independent of those incumbents, then freedom to have what I want in my content comes with it. Now, the incumbents are not going to be quick to tag along on this. They're going to remain, yeah. in my opinion, ingrained in this woke, because there's no other way to put it, this woke culture and not being able to offend a single person to the detriment of good, good humored comedy that I think brings people together, not not te tears them apart, in my yes. opinion. But the, but the trend is in favor of that independence that will enable freedom to say what what is still within the bounds of, of reasonable you know comedy that allows us to poke fun at ourselves and, and what makes us unique and different, which I think is needed and healthy. Mm -hmm. So the yep. trend is in the right direction, but it, it's man, it's going to be slow. You know, look, the other thing that could change things pretty dramatically, I think there's going to be some big changes afoot for, for the Democrats in these midterm elections. Um, and I think a lot of that is is going to be driven and, and was driven uh, last November in the local elections by a response to the woke culture going yeah, too definitely. far. Definitely. Going too far. Mm -hmm. So, and and it's not to say that there aren't, you know, legitimate causes and legitimate reasons to be more aware of and to support LGBT and trans community. I'm not, I'm not talking against them, right. but you can't take these things so woke to the point that straight people feel guilty for being straight. Catholics feel guilty for being Catholic. Like it doesn't, that's gone too far. And I think you're going to see a cultural yeah. response to that at the polls and eventually a cultural response to that in, in our entertainment. Yeah, it's seeped into everything. I know gays feeling guilty for being gays. And oh that God, is how yes. you know, <laughs> that is how you know it is a hot mess. Yeah. Um, I'll just leave it at this is let, like, here's to the gold standard of success in this world 
no longer being these sort of legacy, traditional, outdated platforms, right? Yes. Let, let chin chin to that. Thank you, Mark Lepresti. We didn't get to Elon Musk today, but you know what? That is a whole, again, that is another follow-up <laughs> for another time. Yes. I Thank you, it. Mark. An absolute pleasure, Taylor. Thanks so much.